but people will take that unicorn word and say, hey, you know, Christians believe in unicorns. Here's yeah. proof because it's right here in the Bible. Just something fun. Yeah. Spending time with God really means unplugging with from all of the other things that are competing for your attention. Because God doesn't want to just be part of our lives. He wants to be our lives. Welcome to Living Beyond Your Memes, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pat answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Latterell. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how loving God with all our heart and soul affects our interactions with people. Josh, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. Just came back from a mini vacation. So. Yeah, you told me up in northern Minnesota, was yes. it? Yes, and of course now I'm in the recovery from the vacation mode. Yes. Did it snow up there while you were there? It did not. Oh, okay. Just rained oh, lightly. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Twins country. I'm sure <clears throat> Twins- you'll appreciate that. Yes. Well, yes. And in fact, I'll be going to Twins country here in a couple of weeks with my family. Going to catch some games, taking all of my kids. Excellent. And, and one of my sons-in-law and a fiance-in-law for one of my daughters. And so, yeah, it's going to be a huge gang. We're taking like 15 people. That's total. cool. So, yeah, it's going to be a great time. We've never done anything like this before. So, going to catch a series over that weekend and and hopefully the Twins will sweep the Giants. We'll see. There's always hope. <laughs> Let's right? hope so. All right. <laughs> I think what we might want to do is, I, I, may, I thought about this today, is we should start weekly asking, what are you reading? And so I'm going to ask you, since our last time together, it's been a couple of weeks because we had to take a week off for illnesses and and traveling, things like that. What have you been reading lately? Uh, well, I've been reading some fiction, actually. I'm reading cool. some uh, of the Expanse novels. Uh, there's a show that was on sci-fi and then it moved to Amazon and it's not necessarily kid-friendly there's some language and some somewhat adult situations but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's hard sci-fi and so i really get into that aspect of it so cool. i watch the show first and then i'm catching up with the novel so well, good i'm not reading anything particularly uh spiritual but right. uh, i'm really enjoying that series good. i love fiction and for years while i was pastoring and i kept on it after i was done with that was that um i would not read ministry books at all <laughs> so when i came home i wanted to unplug so I read every Sherlock Holmes story by the original author. Um, I have not yet been able to bring myself to read stories by other authors of Sherlock Holmes. I, I love thrillers. So the whole Jack Ryan, you know, Tom Clancy thing I've read two or three times. I just love, I love thrillers. And so fiction is a good thing to do. And I, I love just reading and just, just letting your mind relax, you know, not having to worry about what do I need to learn from this? Uh, I should be taking notes here. It's like, no, I'm going to watch Jack Reacher gets the bad guy here, you know, and that's always a fun thing to do. So I've been reading more ministry stuff lately because I am, I've come to a point recently where I am willing to do that now. So I've mentioned the book a few times called uh, Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. I finished that uh, last night and a great book. Highly recommend it. Uh, Reverend Eugene Cho. Easy read, great book on how we can be Christ-like in our interactions with people over politics uh, and how we can engage in politics. So very good book there. I also finished a book recently called The Parent Trapped Within. 
by a local sports writer named Dave Vilhauer. Oh, yeah. I know Dave. He's a great yeah, guy. He is a great guy and solid Christian dude and well-respected sports writer uh, in the Dakotas and the Upper Plains here. And uh, this book about isn't really a Christian book per se, but just about how we can be responsible parents to uh, athletes. You know, things like how do we encourage them? Uh, how do we act in games, you know, with officials and coaches and things like that? Really, really good stuff. And he shares his own struggles in those too. And I thought that was good that he's not just preaching. He's he's telling, you know, I understand the struggle. Here are some instances where where I didn't always do the best. So really well done. And then I started or restarted a book today called How to Not Read the Bible by Dan Kimball. Uh, pastor out of California. And just a great reminder that, uh, and I think I mentioned it before, that the Bible is for everybody. God wrote the scriptures through people for all of us, but it was written to certain peoples at those times. And so different cultures, different situations, different contexts, different language. And so we need to keep those things in mind when we try to apply uh, scriptural readings to our 21st century American uh, mindsets. So a very good book. Um, I'm about three chapters into it and just loving it again. So. Yeah, I uh, I appreciate what you're saying about the Bible being written to different people at different times. I think it's really easy to try to read ancient texts through our you know current cultural lens. Right. Um, I it's one of the reasons I geek out about history, you know, mm -hmm. and and digging into societies and cultures that are very different from ours, and whether it's the Babylonians or the Mesopotamians and just thinking through, you know, what the world was like and what kind mm -hmm. of like how, how that literature would have been read at that time. And right. Right. That sort of thing. So, you know, some contemporary things to the Bible and mm -hmm. other cultures that were growing at that time and what their mm -hmm. works were. So I actually was doing a little bit of that today. Just oh, cool. Probably should have been working, but I was <laughs> geeking about, about the uh, Akkadian empire and the oh, cool. uh, early, earliest, city in the, uh, mm -hmm. at least in the Middle East. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, this book, um, How to Not Read the Bible, I would recommend to anybody, whether they're a believer and follower of Jesus or not. It's working toward answering questions that people have about the Bible, uh, including cynics. It starts off by talking about how people say, did you know that there are unicorns in the Bible? And in the King James 1611 version, the word unicorn is in there. But he explains how Back when the King James was translated, the word unicorn was basically a compound word, meaning an animal with one horn or one predominant horn. And um, there were animals back in those days that they're extinct now that had those, but it's more like a wild oxen that had a one predominant horn. And so somebody reading it back in that day in King James language would have never equated the word unicorn with what we think of it now, you know, the mystical white horse in the, uh, in the forest. I was, uh, doing a little research on that too. I don't know. Mm -hmm. One other time when I was geeking out about history <laughs> and, um, the take that I saw was that it was actually a pretty common term for rhinoceros. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so as you read about how those are used, sometimes it, it's mm -hmm. actually in the context of a talking about a king who's the, the bigger horn and a smaller horn. And right. it's actually like if, you knew that that was talking about a rhinoceros. It would mm -hmm. make perfect sense as a word right. picture mm -hmm. as what we think of as a unicorn. It makes no sense, but right. it's pretty obvious in context that that's what it was talking about. Right. But people will take that unicorn word and say, hey, you know, Christians believe in unicorns. 
Here's yeah. proof because it's right here in the Bible. Just something fun. Yeah, it's just something to pull out and <laughs> right. beat you over the head with. Right. And then they pull out other things too. But and, and uh, but uh, so it's going to be a good book for that. I'm really looking forward to that. And, and before we get further, let me just apologize for my voice tonight. I had COVID a couple of weeks ago and I'm still having some lingering coughing, you know, things I promise not to cough. Are we six feet away yet here, Josh? I can't remember. No. Uh, five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to back away. So, those of you listening to this, I apologize for the roughness of our voice. I apologize to our editor, who uh, is going to have to go through and listen to these coughs. So, uh, thanks, Aaron, for all your hard work. We love you. Yeah, Aaron's great. She is. She is great. And we, we, uh, we appreciate all she does for us here. Well, let's move into what we're going to talk about tonight. Last week, we introduced the idea that there are four foundational walls for helping us interact with others in ways that would greatly impact our effectiveness in reaching others for Christ. And we're going to be looking at those biblical principles, the greatest commandment, the golden rule, the beatitudes, and the attitude of Jesus as shown in Philippians uh, 2. Today, we're going to look at the first part of that greatest commandment. And I was originally planning on just covering that that whole thing, the whole greatest commandment in just one episode. But boy, the more I dug into it, we're just going to need to take it apart for a little while. So today we're going to talk about loving God with all our heart and soul. And we're not going to get too far into it theologically. Um, I don't think there's really a huge need for that. I don't think we need to rip it apart uh, phrase by phrase uh, and, to, and talk about what's the difference between the heart and the soul. Because, you know, I don't know to be frank with you. And I've heard different people say, well, the soul is this and the heart is this and, and the soul and the spirit are different or, and other people saying, oh, they're the same thing. And I don't know. You can really go down a uh, philosophical rabbit hole that's oh, been absolutely. dug for probably going back to the uh, Greek and Roman empires talking right. about, you know, how much does the soul weigh and what part of yours is the soul and what part is the yeah. spirit and the mm -hmm. heart. And, you know, it's, it's, too much. It is. <laughs> it's it, not really it, worth arguing about. And I think that's right. And I think if you read it in context, you kind of get the idea that, in, in fact, this whole passage, basically we're saying that you need to love God with everything you got. Yeah. Is, that's the whole idea behind the greatest commandment. But let me read that real quick here. And to give it some context, this is a conversation that Jesus was having where somebody came up to him and said, hey, Mr. Traveling Preacher Dude, what would you say are the greatest commandments? And he said, well, the greatest commandment is this one. And he answers it this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. And so that's where we're going to be over the next few weeks. Today we're going to talk about loving the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Next week we're going to talk about loving God with all your mind. That's something I really want to talk about a lot because I think we fall short there. And we'll talk about why next week. So little teaser for you next week, loving God with all your mind. So I like it. And then with all your strength uh, the following week. And then we are going to talk about loving your neighbor as yourself. Do we have to? Um, yes, oh, we do. Okay. Yes. So, well, I'm going to talk about you loving your neighbor. I don't have to worry about loving my neighbor. Who is my neighbor, Brian? Who is your neighbor? Oh, wait, we should, oh, yeah. <laughs> we should save that for we'll save that one, next right. year. Next, <laughs> next time. So as I was trying to find a good way to condense what does it mean to love God with all our heart and soul. Uh, I found this on crosswalk.com. Great uh, website for Bible study helps, that kind of thing. It says, and I'm quoting now, the Greek word is agapeo. Agapeo. So we call it agape. It's kind of the word that we talk about. And it's to have a preference for or to wish well. 
to regard the welfare of. It is to take pleasure in, to prize it above other things, to be unwilling to abandon it or do without it, to welcome with desire, to long for. So it's a very deep, it, there's emotion attached to it, but it's, it's um, I love where it says, unwilling to abandon or do without it and to prize it above other things. That, that's kind of hard to describe outside of those terms. But it's just you're saying this is it. This is this is what I want. It has a lot to do with your intention and your will and like mm -hmm. you're setting your mind or you're mm -hmm. purposing to pursue after a particular thing. Right. right. Yep. Something so, like that. Exactly right. It's a very intentional thing here. It goes on to say that we diminish the meaning of love or agape when we view it as simply an emotion or feeling and therefore subject to change. I may love someone because they're kind to me. If they stop being kind, I no longer love them because my love was simply a positive feeling based on my current circumstances. This love is more than that. It's a decision of the will to act in light of a deep, abiding concern and affection for the object of our love. It's a very intentional thing. Here's what we're saying. I am going to intentionally choose to focus, love, be devoted to, long for, put above all else, love God. And when we do that, then we can love our neighbors ourselves because he equips us to do that. But I want to talk about some ways that that looks practically. And so I want us to look at four areas. And Josh, you may think of others in here, but I want to look at four areas of our lives that, that uh, we really need to consider or how we can love God with these things. Because uh, love is also an action. It's a verb. So the first way we can love God with all our heart and soul is to love him with our time. So, is God one hour out of your 168 every week? Is he two or three? Oh, because we have a we have an evening service, so you know, I, and we have a Wednesday night Bible study. Great, three hours out of 168. The question is, are you actually spending time with God outside of church? And I tell you, this is hard for me. This is of the stuff we're going to talk about today. This is literally the hardest one for me, partly because I'm I'm such a lazy guy. I am. I'm just, if it were up to me, Josh, my, my schedule would consist of getting up, eating some food, watching TV or reading books, eating, and going back to bed because I'm just naturally a lazy guy, you know, and, but I've never had that kind of, you know, nobody's paid me to try to do that yet. So <laughs> I'd, I'd love it if they did. And so it's hard for me to, to make time to spend directed time with God in the scriptures. And I say that to my shame because I really should be better at that. And part of that, uh, I don't know if we've discussed this in an earlier episode, maybe we did, but uh, I was part of a campus organization in college where you were taught how to have a quiet time. You spent time with God uh, in the scriptures and in prayer. And for some, it became a pretty legalistic thing. And, and I adopted that. And for a long time, I just thought, boy... If I don't have an hour long quiet time, I'm just failing Jesus, you know, and, and then a pastor said, uh, no, no, he won't love you any less if you never have a quiet time again. And so then I kind of fought against that. And then I went to the other extreme. <laughs> so I'm fighting my way back to the middle. Josh, you know this as well as I do, that we spend time with people we love, right? Mm -hmm. Because we want to be around them. We're drawn to that. And if we claim to love God, we need to spend time with him. You know, and, and we need to make time. That's the hard part. It's, we'll never find time for things we don't find important, but we'll always make time 
the stuff that we do find important. And so that's my own personal struggle right now is making myself make the time. I've got the time. I have all the time I need. I just got to carve it up and do it well, you know, and, and just commit to it. And oftentimes the feelings actually follow the decision. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you stop spending time with somebody, you don't think about them as much. You may not like know what's going on in their lives or mm -hmm. feel as connected with them. And then you feel distant from them after. Right. I mean, that's the, that's true with any relationship, really. Right. But especially with God. It is. And, and I love spending time in the scriptures. Every time I finish reading, I'm like, man, why do I not do this more? <laughs> you know? and I just, so I got to do that. But but time, time with God, intentionally spent with him in the scriptures and in prayer. And sometimes that means spending it with other people, with other believers in fellowship and in worship. But spending time alone with him, I think is critical to a believer developing a relationship with God to the point where they can truly love him with all their heart and soul. I think one of the things that gets in the way, I, I don't think this is any new insight, but just the fact that we're so overstimulated with screens and technology that our brains kind of crave that stimulation. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people get really anxious if there's quiet, mm -hmm. if they're just still. Yes. And spending time with God really means unplugging with from all the other things that are competing for your attention. That's right. And That's right. Uh, there are a lot of those. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, it might take a little while. I've noticed this too, just for myself. If I'm, you know, overstimulated and on my phone in the morning and on my phone at night. And then I, you know, realize, oh, I haven't had a quiet time. I haven't just like sat and prayed and thought and read. It seems like the first couple times I try to get back into it, my brain's just bopping all over the place. It's, it, it's, it's not used to the silence. It's not used to the stillness. And you kind of have to get back to that or recover that in order to really give yourself the mental and emotional space to, to reconnect with God sometimes. I mean, that's just been my experience. You're right. We have to move away from other things if we're going to move toward God. And in, in my case, I told my wife here the other day that starting next month on my birthday, I'm going to start a one-year TV fast. So I'll watch movies once in a while, but I like to watch TV series. So, I mean, I've seen, you know, every episode of Blue Bloods probably three times and... NCIS and uh, all these shows that I just love to watch and I can binge watch two or three or four episodes at a time. And, uh, and my wife likes to do that too with other shows. So I thought, you know what? That's time I could be using in the scriptures. Because uh, another thing that I was legalistic about back in the day, the quiet time had to be in the morning. You couldn't do it at night. Because if you didn't start your day off with Jesus, you know, it was, you were just not going to have a good day. But I'm finding myself preferring nighttime because I'm finishing my day, spending time with the Lord, and that's a good way to fall asleep. So if I can use that time that I would otherwise watch TV in reading, and particularly reading the scriptures, I think that's going to go a long way to helping me be somebody who can love the Lord like I need to. Sure. Yeah, great. I, I really appreciate that. The second way I think we can love God with all our heart is in effort. Things like, uh, well, we talked about reading the scriptures, going to church, serving, using your talents being intentional about things. So the question is, is going to church a part of your life or do you determine attendance by your convenience? Um, it's so easy to sleep in. It's so easy to go online now. One of the great things about COVID is that it drove us to new ways to 
still worship because we could connect with the church online. But one of the bad things about COVID is that it made us want to go online more. You know, when you can watch church in your jammies, why not? <laughs> you know, so, but church is more than that. Church isn't an attendance thing. It's a family. You, you go to worship with other people who are part of the body of Christ, part of the family of God. And sometimes that takes effort. Sometimes that means you got to get out of bed, you know, before you want. Maybe you didn't sleep real well the, the night before, but you need to be there. Not because God requires that out of some legalistic rec- uh, requirement or anything, but he's, we need it. And sometimes it's not always convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Christian music artist back in the 70s and early 80s uh, called Keith Green. I don't know if you ever heard oh, of yeah. him. Yeah. Yep. And in one of his songs, I can't remember what the name of the song was, but he had some very convicting music. He kind of preached his music. And one of the lines on one of his songs was, Jesus rose from the dead, but you can't even get out of bed. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> what time's the service start? Okay, I'm going to make it. Um, so putting intentional effort into the things that help us learn about God, draw closer to him. Are you intaking the scriptures on a regular and systematic basis? Because that takes effort. You know, maybe it's a reading program. Are you serving in and outside of the church? You know, are you making yourself available for the family of God? Uh, Are you using your talents to serve God and others, whether that's in the church or out of the church? Are you demonstrating your love in how you work maybe may, might be a way to say it but are you intentionally making the effort to draw closer to god so you can love him better that's the question this reminds me of uh romans chapter 12 my wife and i are reading through that and we've read through it a few times just to sort of see what we can get out of it and read in different translations just kind of for fun and edification but uh it really speaks a lot to that idea of using your gifts and talents and recognizing that God has put us together for a reason. He's drawn us mm-hmm. together for a reason. We're not uh, lone ranger Christians. That's right. Uh, we all need each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no, you know, office or job that in the eyes of Christ is better or more holy than the other. Right. Uh, and we all need to be engaged as Christians in bringing the kingdom of God into whatever community we're in mm-hmm. and if we're sitting on the couch and we're just uh watching on zoom or live stream or whatever mm-hmm. uh we're not plugged in i you know i love that i love i love being able to watch if i'm out of town or mm-hmm. you know i don't want to miss a series or i want to see what's going on and i want to stay connected mm-hmm. so it's great to have that mm-hmm. but it's not the same as in person. It'd be like uh, you've got your fa- your family's got a reunion, and you're like, "I'll just zoom in." Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not the same as actually getting together again with your family. Yep it's it's better than nothing. Yes, but yep. uh, it's not a replacement. Well, a couple of weeks ago, COVID went through my whole family, and so we had to watch as a family. We watched church, but I love the fact that my kids were watching and they were singing along. Uh, that's cool. I didn't say now we need to sing along. You know, they just did it. And I thought that was kind of cool. You know, that, that even though they weren't there, they could still partake. And they just took the initiative to do that. I was grateful for that. So th- that's the second thing, effort. Making the effort to do things that help you draw closer to God. The third way that we can show or demonstrate that we love God with all our heart and soul is our money. So here's where it gets personal for a lot of people. Hey, now. Yeah. So giving, for instance. Now, uh, I'm not going to talk about whether or not the tithe is the biblical way to go. I, 
There are lots of believers who believe, yes, the tithe is still part of the requirement, so to speak. Others say, no, you give cheerfully. And if you can't give 10% cheerfully, then don't give 10%. And my personal opinion is that you start at 10%. And as the Lord honors and blesses that, you give more. That's just my own personal uh, thing on that. Uh, it's not a hard law. I don't think you'll find anything in scripture that says that, that I could use to back that up. Is that before tax or after tax, right. Brian? I do before tax. <laughs> just my own personal thing. Because God has shown in my own life uh, over the years um, that when I give and when I'm generous in my giving, he takes care of that. There time back in the 90s when he proved that to me in such a dynamic way and I could not afford to give. But we gave anyway, because we just felt that's what God wanted us to do. And, and uh, that was the turnaround for us financially. And um, so I'm a, I believe in giving, and I believe in starting at 10% growth. So that's just, and sometimes God tells you to give more. Sometimes God says, here's a need that you need to meet. So where do you do that? So giving, whether or not tithing is your dealio, giving to causes that support the cause of Christ or help others like Salvation Army, Journey Home, in our case here in Aberdeen. Compassion International, Open Doors, you know, that's a ministry to uh, persecuted Christians around the world. Giving to those in need, you know, what if God just tells you to give money to help this guy get a meal, you know, and you're not going to get a tax receipt for that, or just giving even to a church or an organization, and you don't get a receipt, the, and you say, no, I just, for some reason, I just don't feel learned. I, I'm not giving so I can make, get a, get a write-off on my taxes. I'm giving because the Lord is prompting me to give. Can you do that? That's hard. Well, for you, God wants our hearts, right? I mean, yes. it's pretty easy to put our faith in money and, mm -hmm. and giving some of it away, even though we could use that to fix the fridge or go on a vacation or whatever. Yep. is It's an act of faith and it is a real sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those things that helps us reorient our hearts mm -hmm. toward being dependent on God instead of being dependent on our bank accounts. And right. I'm... You know, I struggle with that too. I mm -hmm. committed to giving, but I still do not like it when my bank account gets pretty low, right, you know, right. and I, it makes me real uncomfortable and I'm not sure, you know, sometimes what hard choices I might need to make if things are getting tight. So, right. No, totally understand that. And I don't think that necessarily gets any better as you get wealthier because you just, you know, the more money you have, the, the more places there seem to be that need it you know your right house payment right. goes up your taxes go up mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is college yep. gets more expensive yeah so it's it's a struggle no matter how much money you have i think yes and it's yes, it it's is. more about your heart than about you know the amount right right i agree with that entirely so but money seems to have such a hard pull on our hearts that to me that's one of the best ways to see you know to gauge where you're at or at least where your faith is if you can give when you know that there's some bills coming up, but you know that you need to give, God has prompted you, you need to do this, that's hard to do. But just in my own personal life, God has reminded me over and over, Brian, you can't outgive me. When you give, I take care of you. You know that. I've shown it to you countless times and I'm going, you're right, time to write the check or time to plug it into the app, you know, whatever it is I'm doing. And God has never let me down ever. And uh, that's not the health and wealth prosperity gospel. That's just God saying, if you give, I take care of you. And that's, he says that in scripture. So it's, um, it's him saying, you'll never have to worry. Been in times in my life, especially in the nineties, 
I didn't literally didn't know where my next meal for my family was going to come from sometimes. And, um, and that's when things started turning around. When my wife challenged me, are we giving? Are we tithing? I'm like, what are you nuts? <laughs> no. Well, it's time to start. So we did, you know, and so that's hard to do, but God blesses that. And he takes those gifts and he uses them in the lives of people around the world. So it's exciting. It's not just you loosening the grip on your money. It's God allowing allowing you to be part of what he's doing around the world in his kingdom. So money's a big one. So we've talked so far about time, uh, spending time with God. We've talked about the effort that you need to make in reading the scriptures, going to church, serving. And then we just talked about money. The fourth thing is loving what God loves. And I've got three things here, and you can feel free, Josh, to interact on these or, or add to them here, but there are three things that came to my mind when I was thinking about loving what God loves. First of all, God loves truth, and God is truth, and God cannot lie, and he cannot sin, and he cannot cause people to sin. First Corinthians 13, Paul says that love rejoices in the truth. And Jesus says he is the way and the truth and the life. And we need to be people who love truth. And that's one of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast. And we will talk it about more, particularly as we get toward election seasons and stuff, that truth is so important for Christians to not just convey, but to love. So we really need to love truth because God loves truth. Another thing that God loves is people, obviously. Uh, he created people. He created them in his image. He sent his son Jesus to die for them. Jesus willingly went to the cross for them. He loves people. But it's not just this emotional love. He shows compassion. And I think one of the ways we love people is by showing compassion. And compassion is not pity. Pity is feeling sorry for somebody. Compassion is stepping in and doing something about it. You know, And so whether that's through giving or getting involved uh, in crisis pregnancy centers or uh, being a foster parent or coming alongside people at Journey Home or volunteering at the Salvation Army, whatever that means, showing compassion to people is huge. And if we're not compassionate, then we have to wonder, you know, do we have the relationship with God that we're supposed to have? He talks about how, you know, you're, I don't care if you fast, I don't care if you do these things, but you're ignoring the widow and the orphan. And that's not good stuff. You need to help these people. And then we'll talk about your religious rituals that I love, but not at the expense of these things over here. So we need to show compassion to people. Uh, along with that is justice. And, um, you know, this is a kind of a new area for me, but learning about how some people are denied justice and it's whether it's because of their skin color or their ethnicity uh, or whatever, and not just here in America, but around the world, the scriptures talk about we need to fight for justice. We need to defend those who have no voice to defend the powerless. We are to do that because God brings justice. And uh, he says in Isaiah 40, he's going to come back and he's going to be armed with justice. So justice is a big thing for God. Now, the question becomes, and I, this is where I'm still learning about this, is where does social justice become a social gospel? And we got to be careful for that because we don't want a social gospel. But we do need social justice. It's the stuff that Martin Luther King fought for and, and others before him and after him. So how do we show justice to people is a question that I'm still working on and stuff I struggle with. Yeah, yet. I don't know if I have the answer to that. In fact, I would say I'm sure I don't mm -hmm. have the answer to that. But 
I think part of the answer is understanding the difference. Well, number one, genuinely caring about and pursuing justice. But number two, understanding the difference between true justice and counterfeit justice. Yes. There are a lot of philosophies, political movements, things of that nature that claim to be fighting for justice, Mm -hmm. but they may not be. I mean, that may be an ulterior motive. Right. It could be political gain. It could be power. It could Mm -hmm. be money. It could be some combination of the above. Right. Uh, It could be some sort of, you know, seeking some sort of social revolution that's based on a political philosophy that, Mm -hmm. you know, is not based in the truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't know. And you, you have people that do genuinely find suffering, people Mm -hmm. who may have experienced some injustice and Mm -hmm. then leverage those people uh, cynically in some cases to Mm -hmm. achieve some sort of political victory or gain power, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. and end up leaving the people that they were supposedly fighting for worse off than they were before. Right. And that right. happens over and over again throughout history. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that I think that's one of the, the dangers of some, some aspects of the social justice movement is mm-hmm. it seems to be not always helping the people that in the end right. Are, right. that are genuinely in need of some, some justice. Right. You know, so I guess to me, the bottom line is, Let's say a person is in court, they're accused of a crime, maybe they're even guilty of the crime. You know, are they getting a just sentence or has the victim been served well as a result of this? Or has the defendant been treated according to their due rights? Mm -hmm. You know, because sometimes that doesn't happen. So lots of tangled webs and trails we could go down. Uh, But that's just something that I feel got talking to me more and more about. Maybe it's in the reading I'm doing. It's just something I don't want to ignore. I guess maybe that's where I'm sure. trying to get at here is I'm, and I'm kind of just dipping my toe in that. I just, I'm still learning and I'm, I'm hesitant to make bold proclamations about what's just and what's not and uh, what's systemic justice and what's wrong systemically within our country. And I know there's people on every side of that issue, you know, and uh, do we have systemic injustice? Do we not have systemic injustice? I don't know. Um, I'm still working through some of that. Sure. Another thought occurred to me because uh, my wife works for the Department of Health and she deals often with folks that are disadvantaged and, and as a result deal with more than their fair share of health issues, mm-hmm. whatever that oh, may yeah. be. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's important to not narrow the definition of justice more than God does. Mm. I know that a lot of my conservative friends see justice in a very narrow sort of equal treatment before the law mm-hmm. definition, which yep. is they're seeing it more in a legal in a legal sense. way. It was kind of like what you're talking about, mm-hmm. yep. but uh, and that is definitely part of justice. But mm-hmm. um, there is an aspect of justice even in the Bible that is about economic justice. That mm-hmm. is about mm-hmm. people who are experiencing oppression, and that may be legal oppression. But mm-hmm. it's still oppression. Yep. So we should not simply limit our definition of justice to the U.S. Constitution or, mm-hmm. you know, the laws of our state, <clears throat> although those are important. Yep. Uh, I think the rule of law is important. Um, definition of justice in the Bible is is more expansive than mm-hmm. that. And in fact, when we get to the end of um, this phase of history and God, like you said, 
comes back to judge the earth in righteousness and, and put all things right, it's all things right, whether they were legal yes. or not. It's, right. I mean, it's, it's a much deeper and fuller and more complete mm -hmm. vision of true justice than simply, you right. know, making sure that everybody got the right sentence for their crime. <laughs> right, right. Perfectly good. Yes, absolutely. A third part of the people equation here is uh, family. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to make sure that we are giving our family the attention and the provision they need. There's a verse in scripture, I can't remember the exact reference right now, but it basically says that if a believer won't provide for his family, he's worse than an unbeliever. It actually says if a man won't provide for his family, he's worse than an unbeliever. And that has fueled my work ethic for decades now. And uh, I grew up uh, in a poverty area uh, when my mom uh, left my dad. She was all of a sudden a single mother. So we were on food stamps. There have been times when I have been on food stamps with my wife and family. And that was humiliating to me, you know, and I thought I am not feeding my family. And uh, that was hard for me. And I had kids, you know, and thankfully they couldn't take in everything that was happening in our life, but just providing for your family and not just financially, but, you know, communicating your love, communicating your support, Am I the kind of dad that my kids can turn to no matter what? Will they feel safe around me? If if some, if they're in trouble, they would know, I'll just tell my dad, he's got it taken care of. Do they know that I'll always do my utmost to make sure that they're provided for? But uh, And do I communicate verbally and through my provision and other things that I love them dearly? Because if we don't love our family, we're not loving God the way we need to love it. Absolutely. So loving what God does truth and people. And then the last part of loving what God loves is that he loves his glory. When I was a first young believer, I thought, God loves his glory? You know, does, doesn't that seem kind of narcissistic? But no, it doesn't. It, it took me a while to get to that point. But when we honor God, when we praise him, when we, when we give him the glory that's due him, not only is he honored, but it opens us up to his blessings as well. It's not some fake praise to God. It's when we do the things that please him, he is honored. John Piper would say that God is most honored when we find our enjoyment in him. That's still hard for me to wrap my brain around, but God has said that he's a jealous God. He's jealous for his glory. And he's one of the reasons that they're not allowed to worship other gods. Well, first of all, they're false gods, but also it takes away from his glory. But I think that also the, the fact is that when people worship things and worship gods and things that aren't him, it brings them harm. Yeah. And so when we take away from his glory, we step outside of his protection. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah. Well, it, God's glory, the things that glorify God are also the things that perfectly align with what's best for us as people right. yes. and what's best for humans in general, you know, right. human flourishing and so forth. So well, just these things we've talked about just now, truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we seek truth, truth honors God, and everybody benefits from truth. And when we love people the way we should, when we show compassion, when we show justice, and when we work for a family, that benefits other people and honors God at the same time. So, yeah, I think that's a good way to, to bring that all together. So, so we want to love what God loves, and that helps us to love him the way we can, the way we should love him with our heart and soul. So I hope that was helpful to people. I hope it wasn't confusing. I hope it wasn't unduly babbling or, you know, uh, um, 
I'm not sure how else to say that. And if it was, let us know because uh, we don't want to do that to people. We just want to encourage people to love God with their entire being. And so these little categories maybe were just things that helped me. And if uh, hopefully they'll help you. But the bottom line is that we want you to love God with all your heart and soul. We want you to love him with your entire being. Because God doesn't want to just be part of our lives. He wants to be our lives. And when we segment our lives, that's when we run into trouble. And Josh, one of the things that I'm sure you've witnessed over the years and things I've noticed a lot as a pastor is sometimes I would do a, a funeral uh, for somebody that I had didn't even know. Uh, I would get called to do a stranger's funeral. And if it was for a person who did not show any evidence of having any kind of relationship with God at all. But when the time came, they wanted Jesus. You know, the, the family wanted Jesus at the funeral, so to speak, you know, and so they wanted the preacher to come in and do a funeral. Or I'm at the bedside of somebody who has passed away or is passing. And they're praying and I'm praying, you know, on in the back of my mind, I'm praying, Lord, speak to this person, draw them to you. But it seems like people are ready to turn to God when, when the hard times come, but they're not willing to love him all the time. Sundays are for God. Well, at least that hour, you know, and a friend of mine said, well, you know, God and I have an understanding. And oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, you don't. You have an understanding. Doesn't mean God does, you know, and we, we don't need to get into that uh, right now. But the point is that that's not loving God. That's asking him to be, you know, pull you out of the, the fire um, at the last second, you know, kind of thing. I'm. That's not how God operates, and it's um, it's sad when we think of him that way. Well, we also, going back to what you said before, we also have to love God in accordance with the truth, like you said, mm -hmm. loving him in spirit and in truth. Truth and love are really, in some ways, either, I don't know if it's they're two sides of the same coin, or if they need each other in some way, but if you don't, if you love God, but you don't love him in truth like you mm -hmm. love some version of god that you've created in your mind right um you're not loving god no well and jesus said that to the, the samaritan woman at the well in john chapter four the father seeks worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth so good point way to way to bring that around i appreciate that so as i mentioned before that when we love god as we should we'll be able to love others as we should and because i think he equips us for that so josh is there anything you would add to this whole discussion about loving God with all our heart and soul. Well, we've touched on a few topics that I think Christians have been discussing for quite a while. And I would be interested to hear what our listeners have to say or, or thoughts that they've had about this, whether it's tithing, whether it's um, social justice versus, you know, legal justice. We're really interested in, in what people are out there are thinking right. and happy to, yeah, use any feedback that you have to uh, inform future discussions and podcast episodes. Boy, that's a great segue into this last, next thing I was going to say. <laughs> but uh, before I get into that, the reason we're having these discussions is that we want to take, it's easy to say that you love God, but how do we show that we love God? How do we demonstrate that to people? Because it's easy to talk. And there's a lot of people who say they love Jesus, but they're mean people and they treat others horribly. It's easy to go to church on Sundays, but be a jerk the rest of the week. 
you know, and we got to get past that because that's not what God wants. It's not what Jesus wants. He wants us to love him fully, completely, and totally. And that has to show through our lives, through our interactions with people at home and at work and at play, how we handle our money, all these things. I think people should be able to look at us or at least interact with us and and see that we love God and um, not be surprised if they see us at church someday. Go, oh, wow, okay, <laughs> oh, whatever, you know, and I know people like that and that's sad and that's no fun. But, um, you know, one of the things Josh said there was just that we need feedback on this because I think you folks can think of other ways to love God with all our heart and soul, ways to demonstrate that. And we'd be glad to hear some of that. So please leave comments on the Facebook page or the website as we're, we're still working on the website webpage for this podcast. Or uh, just go to the, the Facebook page for Living Beyond Your Memes. And uh, if you listen to this podcast on Anchor, you can actually leave a voicemail for us right there on the website telling us what you think. Otherwise, you can contact us at the contact information that Josh will give you at the end of the podcast here, and we'll be good to go because we want to learn more and we want to be able to love God better. And you might have some ways or some ideas that that we haven't thought of yet, and that would really be helpful for not just us, but for everybody listening. Yeah, we so. want to we want to continue the conversation, add to the conversation, mm -hmm. and uh, grow together. Right, and I think it's been pretty obvious from this conversation that Josh and I don't have all the answers, or at least I don't. And uh, we would love more input because we want to love Jesus better. We want to love, be better at loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. So thank you for listening. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Living Beyond Your Memes is a production of Truth Love Media and Discipleship DNA. Editing by EC Productions. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in touch with Brian LaCroix at DiscipleshipDNA.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you in the next episode.